This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, September 26, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, GM launches a major retooling in Ohio for EV motors. The UAW seeks faster recognition at GM's joint venture battery plants, and a mid-sized Ram could ride again. Plus, a conversation with Daniel Hagstrom of Cabinair, which was a finalist for an Automotive News Pace Award this year for its advanced filtration and air pollution detection systems. That is often the absolute best way of getting away of pollutants, knowing where it is and guide around it. And often, if you take a two, three minutes detour to get past a wildfire, it's perfectly worth it. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors says it will invest $760 million at its Toledo, Ohio factory to build drive units for electric trucks. It will be the automaker's first U.S. powertrain facility repurposed for EV-related production. GM Executive Vice President of Global Manufacturing and Sustainability, Gerald Johnson, made the announcement in Toledo on Friday. That will assure that Toledo is here to make sure that as we go from Silverado's today to Silverado's EVs tomorrow and GMC Sierra EVs tomorrow, that you will be producing the drive units for those products just like you do it for today. GM currently builds transmissions for a variety of Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and Cadillac models at its nearly 3 million square foot Toledo plant. Congress in August approved significant financial incentives for automakers to convert plants producing parts for gasoline-powered vehicles to electric models. UAW President Ray Curry also spoke at that announcement in Toledo. That's significant considering that many auto workers have expressed concerns about the shift to EVs and how it will affect labor in the auto industry. Curry said the announcement marks the start of a trend to make sure UAW workers benefit from the EV revolution. These days, it's a lot to talk about UAW members being left behind as the industry shifts. Let me tell you, our members made GM successful yesterday, today, and definitely in the future. And I applaud you again, Local 14 and the GM Toledo team for what's taking place. Also in Toledo, Curry said the UAW is seeking a speedier recognition from GM to represent hourly workers in the automaker's growing stable of U.S. joint venture battery plants. He said the union will seek car check authorization that bypasses a secret ballot vote. Under that process, a majority of plant hourly workers could simply sign cards supporting the union. Once that's certified, an election would not be necessary. While those stories offer some insights into the making of EVs, a new study examines how consumers like shopping for them. The vast majority of EV buyers still prefer to purchase those cars in person. That's according to the 2022 EV Forward Dealer Deep Dive Survey by advisory firm Escalant. It also says prospective buyers want to use both online and in-person resources to buy an EV. 
The survey finds 74% of respondents would prefer to buy an EV at a dealership rather than from an auto manufacturer or third party. And it's been 11 years since Ram or Dodge offered a mid-size pickup. Now it appears that Ram is considering getting back into the segment. Before it makes a move, Ram wants dealers to get a look at its vision. Ram CEO Mike Koval Jr. said he's considering showing retailers an early concept of a mid-size truck in March to gauge their interest. It's not clear at this point if the concept would be a rendering or a physical mock-up, Ram and Dodge haven't competed in the mid-size segment since 2011, the year after Ram split off as its own truck brand. That's when production of the Dodge Dakota stopped after a 25-year run. The category is dominated by the Toyota Tacoma, which logged more than 108,000 U.S. sales in the first half of this year. That's more than double the volume of its nearest competitor, the Chevy Colorado. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, GM's big investment to repurpose the Toledo, Ohio factory to build EV motors. Will this be the first of many more for GM? Very possibly. There's a lot of work already going on to build battery plants and EV assembly plants, uh, but it's a little out of sync. You know, it's hard to know how soon can those be up and running? How soon should the plants that make the gas burning vehicles and components for them start shutting down? So. If you can get these conversions, you know, should be a little less disruptive on the local workforce and the local economy and not leave a bunch of empty plants behind after the transition to EVs are complete. Of course, it's also a, a high priority for the Biden administration and for the UAW uh, to have these plants stay unionized and not have to even go through the process of getting them organized on a local basis. Right. Coming up. We've been highlighting supplier innovations on the heels of this month's Automotive News Pace Awards. We'll hear from the head of Cabin Air about the company's air filtration and pollution detection technology. That's next on Daily Drive. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Air quality is something we don't talk about often when we talk about car and truck quality or performance, but it can make a huge difference in the experience of driving or riding in any vehicle. 
Automotive News recognized Swedish supplier Cabin Air as a finalist at our 2022 PACE Awards for its advanced filtration systems. I spoke with CEO Daniel Hegstrom about the company and its technology and evolving expectations about a vehicle's role in personal health. I reached him in San Francisco. Daniel Hegstrom, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks a lot, Jamie. So tell me about the cabin air technology, the connected health zone system for vehicles. It's, it's pretty interesting how it works. Yeah, what we do, we, we work with improving health and safety and well-being in, in vehicles, uh, different types of vehicles. And the technology we, we work with, it's consisting of three parts. One part is how to clean the air, how to make the air healthier and better and cleaner inside the vehicles. And that's the core of everything we do to be able to make it clean. But we also work with measuring, how to measure with sensors, how to measure the air, and, and from that, take wiser decisions on what to do. For example, guiding an HVAC into how to run it or guide us as humans what to do. Uh, and the last part is how to use that knowledge into better guidance. We go into looking into map solutions of how to guide, how to drive, depending on different uh, outdoor air pollution uh, situations and so on. So those three parts are the, are the core of the technology. All right, uh, let's, let's come back to that, but I want to jump ahead to um, your customer. You, you've identified Volvo as your first customer, I guess, as a uh, Stockholm-based uh, company. That shouldn't be a, a, a huge surprise, uh, but that's a, that's a good one. You've added a, lot, a number of others, is that, isn't that right? It is, it is. There is, um, generally in the market, uh, there is an enormous interest of health and well-being. And I think it's driven a lot by the pandemic right now that people are more aware around the world. Before, it was more of an Asian problem that people were aware in China and Japan, Korea and so on. Uh, but the rest of the world here in the US, where we are right now, or in Europe, where I come from, the awareness is much, much higher now after the pandemic about the problems of air pollution, including then viruses and bacteria. Um, and, and that has driven the need for this in vehicles globally. Uh, and, and so we work with the most of the big car OEMs today in, in different stages of projects, I should say, but most of them, including also a lot of the new energy vehicles. Uh, there is a lot of interest of doing uh, solutions in order to protect in, in those kind of cars as well. People, of course, are very wary of coronavirus, but I've never heard anyone say you can, you know, get COVID by driving through a, a neighborhood where too much of it's in the air. What are the main benefits of superior air filtration for passengers in the vehicles? You, you, you're really right. You, you don't get it from driving through a neighborhood. That's not how you get the COVID. COVID is from us. That come a virus and so on come from us as humans. So we are sources then for that pollution which in that case is the virus. For us, a virus is an ultra-fine particle. So it's something that is super tiny and needs to be filtered out really good. And, and today it's actually two technologies how to do it. Otherwise, you do it mechanically with a type of HEPA filters, or you use what we do. We charging the air by adding energy to the, to the air, and by that we can charge it electrostatically so that it sticks better to the filter. And actually, the smaller the particles are, the better they stick. And what we want to create is an environment where everything that comes into the car is so clean. If you're the same family sitting in a car, then it's one thing. But if you're riding in a taxi, for example, or if you're in a bus together with others that you don't know, you don't want to breathe the used air from other passengers. So, so flush out or filter out. That is how we usually talk about it. And that was the cool technology is the electrostatic charging and then uh, so that you could catch the little ones. Is the idea 
then that yeah so even if somebody in the car with you or somebody who was in the car maybe was breathing out viruses then they would get captured in the filter or they'd get get expunged yes we will we we are we want to work with providing the best technology for both actually so filtration technology wise we want to capture them so if, if for example you're running the car on recirculation because you want to be energy efficiency if it's really, really hot as it is right now around in the States here now, you want to use your AC. So you want to have recirculation on in order to be energy efficient. Then we need to filter them out. But if you're in, as I am often in Stockholm, then it's plus 20 centigrades, uh, 70 around that. Then you don't need your AC. You don't need your heating. So you, you're perfect with taking in the fresh air from outside. Uh, and then maybe that could be the best situation in that circumstance. And that's the knowledge part I talk about here, knowing what is it outside and what is it inside. And by that guiding how you're running the HVAC better or guiding the car in how to run the HVAC better in that sense. And I've seen on your website, there's like a, you have like an app so someone can see the air. And what does that show? What is that telling you? And, and how are you supposed to use that information? The app actually does two things. One thing is to access your products that you have from us, our sensors, or uh, uh, your integrated systems that you have in the car to see that it's working and so on, but also get the sensor data. And you can have, for example, you can have multiple sensors on a vehicle if you are in a bus. So one sensor outside, one sensor inside, for example, and get that data, get the statistics that we do in the app. Uh, but also an important part is getting outside data. And here we work in our cloud, and which we have globally, uh, we take official measurement stations around that kind of data, and we take our own sensor data and put these together and interpolate. And by that, we can create the heat map of where are the pollution. And it's in so exact so we can go down on street level in cities where we have lots of sensors. So we can see what is the level of pollutants on the street compared to 100 meters beside the street. And by that also, we can use that data for other things, like, for example, calculating what will the pollutant be on your road when you're going from A to B, for example. That's so interesting. Do you have partnerships with, with local communities or city governments to share with them when you find a hotspot or if you found an area where the air quality was really bad? Is, could you notify or is, do you have a mechanism for that? Not to governments like that, but we work with government from another perspective. We work a lot with the fleets. For a lot of fleets, this is super interesting for them. For example, I'm right now in San Francisco and we work with a taxi company here, a fantastic taxi company called Black Tide. They have our systems and our sensors in their cars and their drivers can then see, for example, when, of course, when they're driving a stressed passenger to the airport, they are taking the shortest route there. But if they go by themselves in the car, or if they're not in a hurry, they can, for example, in the app see if it's a wildfire somewhere and the smoke plume is how it's going. And by that, avoid and go through that smoke plume. And that is often the absolute best way of getting away of pollutants, knowing where it is and guide around it. And often, if you take a two, three minutes detour to get past a, a wildfire, it's perfectly worth it. So those kind of things we do. And we work with government fleets and so on as well. And a lot of interest around the world. And as you say, especially here in the US from police forces around to have the technology in police cars to protect the drivers. And and the more you, time you spend in the car, the more you are vulnerable for these kind of pollutants. You are there. That's your wor working environment. So people working on the street, that is a target group for us. So taxi drivers, 
police, we talk about distribution fleets and so on like that. That is a key for that kind of knowledge for those people. Okay, so I feel like air filters, advanced air filters, air filtration systems really came into the automotive consciousness with Tesla in the middle of the last decade. They highlighted their HEPA filter and the so-called bioweapon defense mode. How do you stack up against that system? Yeah, you're right. I think Tesla raised the bar level. So what they did is they focused on this problem of, of outside air pollution by adding the HEPA filter. They, they have a HEPA type of media, but that kind of media is, is really dense. So what you need to be able to run it in a vehicle, you need to make it really big. And then the filter on a Tesla Model X is 10 times bigger than a normal filter. It's a fantastic solution for, for filtering. Uh, shouldn't say anything about that. But we developed a system which we feel is more balanced towards the need in the car. We focused on energy efficiency, making the system small and working with the HVAC. By that, not adding any pressure drop, but adding getting the same kind of performance as a HEPA filter. And for system, we call this technology HEPA silent, and that is the trademark that is for the, for the technology, that we do it with lower air, air pressure drop, and we do it without affecting energy efficiency out of fans and so on. And that's a big difference. And also important in today's world is also to keep in mind and thinking about sustainability. Of course, if you have a 10 times bigger filter, it's the material use of making that filter and you change it every year, it's an enormous difference uh, when it comes to sustainability. And that's one of the key things for us as well, to think about the material use of that and what kind of material. A HEPA filter uses glass fibers and they need to be disposed. Uh, we use traditional kind of filter media, which you can at least reuse the energy by burning in a power plant. So. How often do your filters need to be replaced? Is it about once a year? We design it to be, be changed as the normal car filters are in that car we designed it for. Uh, that's often. Then, of course, we can optimize on performance in life length and so on like that. So that there is a lot of, especially when we work directly with OEMs, then we can optimize it to a target point what they want. But when we do it for the aftermarket, we also are launching systems for the aftermarket to retrofit your cars. And that's also a benefit with our system. Since it's so small in size, we can pack it into the existing filter bay of the vehicle. And by that, we can also do it as a retrofit for, for existing vehicles. With a HEPA filter, you cannot do that because you will add too much pressure drop for what that car was designed for. Just about out of time, I, but I want to ask some uh, basic facts I should have got done uh, earlier in the, sh in the interview. Uh, how big is the company in terms of employees or revenue? Can you share anything like that? And do you make your own filters or do you contract that out? Yeah. Uh, good question. I think we usually talk about us as maybe the one of the smallest but most agile tier ones in the world. We are a fully certified tier one supplier. We are supplying in volume globally throughout the world. Customers both here in 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 US, in in Europe, and in Asia. And we are today a little bit about hundred own employees. But we do, as many of others do in the electronics industry, we work a lot with sub-suppliers and contractors. So, so we do a lot with contract manufacturing. So actually, the number of people working with our products is more when it comes to production stage. But we are 100 people roughly globally uh, today. And do you have any plans to go public or do you intend to stay as a, a privately held company? We we say like this, I I'm, I'm don't close any doors of anything, but I think it's fantastic as today. We are five really strong owners, all with a really 
thorough background from from the automotive industry uh, and i think that is one of our real strengths that we can be really quick all from owners and board uh, down to to the people at the, at the at the floor in the factory and that's one of the key things with our company to be agile and quick in in, the, in these days and i think that's that's a key to our fast growth that we're seeing right now as well we can do that if we go public that might be the solution if we want to take bigger steps in the future to take big big steps with the company and require more money to do those steps then it might of course be a natural thing to do but we don't say that we have a plan of doing an ipo or something like that we have a plan of building the best uh, tier one supplier in the world that's our goal uh, in this and and do something that hasn't been done for many years. I, I said in Sweden that we haven't built any big tier one supplier in Sweden since since Autoliv was built. <laughs> and I right. want to build a new Autoliv. And we're starting that journey as Autoliv did together with Volvo to change the automotive industry to healthier cabin and healthier and, and world. And I want we want to save lives. That's what we want to do. Daniel Hegstrom, CEO and founder of Cabin Air. It's been great to meet you and thank you for joining me on Daily Drive. Thanks a lot, Jamie. It was a pleasure to be here. Daniel Hegstrom is CEO of Cabin Air, which was a finalist at this year's Automotive News Pace Awards. You can find a complete list of finalists and winners at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on supplier innovations, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look back at the 2022 Detroit Auto Show and what it says about the value of auto shows going forward. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.